The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. Borahay Army and fellow music fans, I'm Kayla. And I'm Bethany, and we're the hosts of Standing BTS from the Consequence Podcast Network. We're a bi-weekly show that covers the impact and legacy of K-pop group BTS. We mix the perfect blend of research and fangirl as we take a deep dive into lyrics during album reviews, theorize over music videos, and keep up with their current events. No BTS topic is off limits. We welcome everyone into the conversation, whether you're a casual fan, committed ARMY, or someone who's just curious about one of the biggest music groups in the world. Come chat with us every other Thursday with a new episode wherever podcasts are found. Consequence Podcast Network. Hello, and welcome to The Spark Parade, where I geek out with artists and entertainers about their cultural spark of inspiration. I'm Adam Unz, at Spark Parade on all social media. Thanks ever so much for joining me. This is a very special episode for me. My guest. Uh, well, okay, a little story first. Back when this podcast was just an idea... Um, I was brainstorming a list of potential guests with a friend, and the list was, you know, mostly people we knew. But I wanted to throw in a few aspirational targets, too. Um, I suggested Phoebe Robinson because I love her work and think she's hilarious. And my friend was like, okay, slow down there, champ. It's going to be a long time before you can get guests like that. Well, I guess it's officially been a long time because my guest today is comedian, actor, and author Phoebe Robinson, who spoke to me about her spark, Sex and the City. Amazing, right? Like, I almost pissed myself with excitement when Phoebe agreed to talk to me, and then I did piss myself with excitement when I found out what her spark was. Okay, I didn't literally piss myself, but I was excited. It was such... A fucking incredible conversation. You know, sometimes I talk to people and they end up being very different to my perception of them. But this is not one of those times. Phoebe was every bit as funny and warm and smart as I'd hoped she would be. And yeah, I just had a blast. And I'm going to let you hear it in just a minute so you too can have a blast. But first, a little housekeeping. This month... I am on a mission to spread the word about the Spark Parade far and wide, and you, my friend, are my secret weapon. So, Apple Podcasts is still the most popular podcasting platform in the world, and following and reviewing shows there really helps to get the word out and help the show grow. For example, this show. And, you know, if this show grows, that means even more incredible guests. So, you know. 
It's a win-win all around. This is where you come in. I need you to head on over to Apple Podcasts, smash that follow button, and then leave me a little review. It's a super quick and easy way to show your support, but it'll also give you a chance to win some exclusive Consequence merch. So all you got to do is head to the link in the show notes, submit your info along with a screenshot of your review, and I will be announcing the winners in December. So make sure you follow and review ASAP. And I think this goes without saying, but please make them good reviews. If you have some kind of constructive criticism for me, whisper that into a seashell and throw it in the ocean. I promise you it'll get to me quicker that way. So yes, thank you so much for supporting the show. means a lot to me and it really will help the Spark Parade to grow. Okay, back to our regularly scheduled programming. Quick Phoebe facts. Phoebe Robinson is a stand-up comedian, best-selling author, producer, actress, and publisher. She is the author of the essay collections You Can't Touch My Hair, Everything's Trash But It's Okay, and Please Don't Sit on My Bed in Your Outside Clothes. And in 2020, she launched her own imprint, Tiny Reparations Books. Robinson is also the co-creator and co-star of the podcast Two Dope Queens and the HBO series of the same name. Other on-screen work includes the TV adaptation of Everything's Trash and the stand-up special Sorry Harriet Tubman, both of which are produced by her company Tiny Reparations. Phoebe is on her messy AF tour right now through December, and you can get tickets at phoebeRobinson.com. Quick Sex in the City Facts. Sex in the City is a comedy drama television series created by Darren Starr for HBO. An adaptation of Candace Bushnell's newspaper column and 1996 book anthology of the same name, the series ran for 94 episodes, broadcast over six seasons, and starring Sarah Jessica Parker, Cynthia Nixon, Kim Cattrall, and Kristen Davis. Set in New York City, the series follows the lives of four women, three in their mid-30s and one in her 40s, who, despite their different natures and ever-changing sex lives, remain inseparable and confide in each other. And there you have it. Get ready to have the time of your life. Here comes my chat with Phoebe Robinson about sex and the city. So, even though it may be difficult because this is a cultural work that has <laughs> dominated the world yes. for a very long time. Do you remember seeing it for the first time, getting into it, being introduced to it, any of that stuff? Yes. So I did not have cable growing up. And so I grew up in Ohio, Cleveland. And so I, you know, will watch, you know, whatever's on TV, like Martin, you know, Ellie McBeal, Melrose Place, like all these shows. And I went to Pratt Institute for college and it's my freshman year. So this was 2002. So, the, you know, Sex and the City already been on, I think it was on its fourth season. And I had like HBO for the first time. And I was like, oh my God, this is so cool. Like I, you know, people like would talk about HBO in high school and I'm like, oh my God, I finally have it. And so I had like this like channel surfing and I landed on, I think HBO one day when I just was like, I think for me, I was just sort of like, oh, New York is kind of a hard place. Like I just didn't expect it to be as hard to sort of like adjust to and like, you know, make friends and like all this stuff. And, and so I stumbled on I want to say it was a season four episode because it was like Aiden looked good and he had the short hair <laughs> and I was like oh what's this show because I, I literally had not heard about sex and sea so when I heard about HBO but it was like Sopranos 
and like The Wire. So like those were the, sh- that was like what sort of my reference was when it came to HBO. So I like had no idea what Sex and the City was. I knew who Sarah Jessica Parker were- was because, you know, I watched movies. She was in like um, LA Story and stuff, but I had no idea what Sex and the City was. And so I just like started watching this episode, season four. And I was like, oh, this is so funny. And I was like, and I love romantic comedies. I'm such a romantic comedy whore. So I was just like, oh, this is just like, I want New York to be like this. Like, this is like the dream. And so I watched, I think it showed like two episodes from season four. And I was like, oh, this show's really cool. But you know, this is like, this isn't like the TV that we grow up in now. It's like, okay, I have to see when this show will air again. Like I can't just immediately go like binge it. So I was like, okay, it's like a cool show. So like I went, you know, about like my college life, going to classes, you know, doing improv, hanging out with friends. And then I caught it again on H uh, on HBO. And it was like, season three like literally like middle of like when she was cheating on Aiden so I was like it was like so out of order I didn't like know what was going on but it was like the episode where they're going to Charlotte's wedding and she told him that she cheated Hmm. and they had the big breakup outside the church and I was like fully in tears just being like Okay, I don't know everything that's going on, but I was like, this acting is so good. And I was so heartbroken. And I was like, I'm so obsessed with the show. And so they started like re-airing it. So then I was able to sort of like go back from the beginning and watch it. And like, that is how I fell in love with the show. So I didn't even, my entry was Aiden and not big. So mm. <laughs> that's like a different, yeah, that's a different thing. <laughs> yeah, I think we had pretty similar experiences like i grew up in the midwest i did not have cable when i was growing up i can remember like hearing about my friends having hbo and being like you mean they have movies on tv and they're just <laughs> they keep the swearing in um <laughs> but uh yeah and like my uh i i didn't really watch it uh, until like towards the end of when it was showing i think the fifth season was on air and my ex-boyfriend was super super obsessed with it so we watched all of the dvds and kind of got caught up yes but it's funny thinking about the impact that that show i mean i guess you know it's a lot of different things but uh the the way that it affected hbo that it was one of the first times that they had you know it was the start of their original programming really being something that people cared about and like you said like the sopranos definitely at that time but this uh i think they were they were on at the same time so it was like prestige shows but on opposite ends of the spectrum but yeah just incredible amounts of story packed into each season incredible characters like having these kind of archetypes of women that you know everyone obviously is like Samantha or whatever um but (laughs) not like stock characters they still feel like real people and like you said just living this life in New York that felt like you know in some in some ways it's a fantasy um like you know I live in New York it is as you said a tough city. It really kicks your ass, especially the first couple of years you live here. But having that, you know, as someone who didn't live in New York at the time, this like, uh, you know, idealized, glamorized version of what it was like to live here. It was just so exciting. Yeah. And it was just like, I remember when I was like, okay, I, I really like this show. So I went to, this is how old I am. I went to Virgin Megastore. Okay. Mm-hmm. And I would buy the DVDs and then me and my girlfriends would just like, we get like junk food from like, we, we used to go to, 
So we lived near Associated Supermarket, which is like the very bottom of the run kind of supermarket. Mm-hmm. And we would just get like chips and salsa and popcorn and like just cookies and whatever. And we would sit and we would just like watch from the beginning. And like, I just so fell in love with this show that really just sort of like, I mean, like most comedies, not everything holds up, but I think the heart of it being like, just like how important like your friendships are and like those moments where you can sort of feel lost without them and sort of these dating situations that happen where you're just like, oh, that was weird. And you like sort of talk about with your friends, like all that stuff is just very so much true to life that it really just felt very a part of my life and also helped sort of shape I think in a certain ways like sort of like what I want out of like my friendships and what I want out of New York and what I want out of a relationship like I'm still on the hunt for like my Aiden you know what I mean and so yeah it's just it was so formative for me yeah yeah and also I think um showing those relationships between women in a way that was like sex positive Something about it being on HBO as well, that it felt more authentic because you could swear because it it was like the way that people really talk to their friends instead of having like friends or something where, you know, it it gives it a version of friendships, but it's very uh, confined to what network TV allows. So just having like uh, the ability to show what women in their 30s and 40s do in New York and, you know, going out and making mistakes and being messy and having fun and supporting each other and whatever, all those things. Yeah, it's great. Yeah. And what I also love about it is I think like everyone, when they grow up, you you sort of like watching TV shows about people older than you. So you can be like, oh, like, is this what life is going to be like? And like, you know, the episode where Charlotte has the, the miscarriage, which is like so sad. And, and obviously I'm at an age where like none of our, my friends were going through that, but it just gave me insight into a world of like oh this is like a devastating thing and this is how you can show up for your friends and so like now i'm in i'm of an age i'm almost 40 i just turned 39 you know that's a thing that is happening uh not like super common but it's happening more often than it's not and so you know how to be there for your friends and how to just like listen and just be physically present and just like hug them if you want or if they want or like if they want to talk about something else just be able to like be that fun distraction for them so there's all those things that i really like about sex and city in terms of like just feeling like, oh, this is like a little bit of a playbook, even though, like you said, it is fantasy in a lot of ways, but it's a little bit of a playbook on how to be a certain kind of adult in New York City. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And having those two sides of it, that it's like this more grounded side that is talking, you know, feels like it's getting into the relationships that friends have with each other. And then the fucking ludicrous, like, you know, fashion and the kind of hijinks that happen in each episode. Like, I don't, just for anybody listening to this, I don't only use Wikipedia to do research (laughs) for this. It's, you know, I think it's a good jumping off point. You can look in the sources on Wikipedia and find articles that you can then read yourself as a starting point. Anyway, I digress. Um, in the Wikipedia page, they have descriptions of like what happened in every season and just like a, a sim- single sentence, Samantha flirts with a priest, has nude photos taken of herself, tries to have a relationship with a lesbian and sleeps with a baby talker, a wrestling coach and a farmer. <laughs> and that to me is just like a perfect enca- encapsulation. And that's like 
one character's arc through one season. Yeah, um, yeah. <laughs> and it's nonstop. And that's what, you know, it's it's balancing like the real kind of emotional stuff with this like heightened like fantasy version of being in New York and having like uh, amazing outrageous experiences. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's so like those those two things, the balance of those two things I think is what makes it great and what kind of kept me coming back. Absolutely. And just sort of the balance of to juggle four different storylines. It's sort of like what Seinfeld was able to do when they were just juggle all those storylines and have everything come together neatly or sometimes not neatly narratively. Like it just was not only a testament to just sort of like, oh, I love these characters and blah, blah, blah. But like just the writing Mm. on the show alone and just I don't know, it just really I think it's such a special show. And I know that, you know, the movies, (laughs) they're not. So here's the thing, like if I ever want to say anything like not super positive about Sex and the City, I feel like I have to whisper because SJP is all around us. She is like mm-hmm. the goddess of New York. But like the movies and like and just like that aren't that great. But I feel like Sex and the City really was such a perfect show in terms of like sometimes there were like flaws that I think make it interesting because it feels like more real rather than like, you know, these shows where like everything is tied together perfectly. And you're like, you're like, oh yeah, that was like really cool. But I don't know, life is not tied together perfectly. So I kind of like, you know, sometimes the episode, like remember at the beginning of the series where like, you know, Carrie would break the fourth wall and talk to camera Mm -hmm. and like do those like cutaways to like random guys playing like basketball who truly looks like 38 Mm -hmm. and they're supposed to be like 22. I'm so glad like that messiness was there and they immediately were like, oh yeah, this isn't good. Like we're going to cut that out. Mm -hmm. Like I just love seeing sort of the evolution of the show, sort of like the creative choices they've made and the the risks they took, I thought were just really, really fascinating. It's just so good for, for like what they were able to do at that time. Like it is truly groundbreaking in a way that I don't think it gets quite the respect that, you know, maybe like the Sopranos or the Wire or even Six Feet Under gets, you know what I mean? But I'm just like, this show is like on par with like a Golden Girls in terms of like, you can see its DNA and so many other shows that came after it. And so I just really, you know, I just wanted to say that like, it's to me, it should be considered highly just like the way those other shows are. Yeah. And I I read some stuff that people were saying, oh, you know, well, it's just because The Sopranos was like a drama and that's hard hitting and that's, you know, people take that more seriously. But like even compared to Curb Your Enthusiasm, I don't think it gets um, treated as respectfully. And, you know, sexism obviously plays a part in that. And it's uh, this idea that shows about women shows that have like fashion as a focus or that are, you know, have silly moments or are, you know, overtly sexual or whatever can't be taken as seriously as something about the mafia or, you know, um, about Larry David's sex life. Um, yeah. And it's just when I, but like when I think about the show, it's like, you think about these things like, okay, Sure, maybe on the surface, fashion is frivolous if you want. But I'm like, fashion, if it were frivolous, I don't think A, it would be such a you know billion dollar business. I don't think there would be the gatekeepers that, that exist in that world that where it drives like 
you know, how women view their bodies, what it says about status, what it says about class, what it says about self-esteem. Everyone in some ways uses the way that they dress to sort of like symbolize something about themselves. Like even if you are, like I'm gonna bring up like Louis C.K., like just for a second, because, you know, he would, you know, tour in like the black t-shirt and jeans. And he was like, it's just like, I'm an every man sort of like, person and like that's what that outfit was supposed to convey to people i'm like that says a lot because every man every woman sort of persona is like i am you you are me we are related we are connected you can see you can see yourself in me and like that says a lot about someone's personality when that's what you want to represent so to me i'm like on certain level yes can fashion be frivolous like sometimes some of the things that balenciaga in particular puts out like you're trolling us some of these things are (laughs) ridiculous but it really drives and shifts culture and it can create movements, whether it's like, you know, civil rights movement where everyone was dressed up really nicely to sort of like represent or what Dapper Dan did with designer luxury labels and like flipped it and made it like really cool and, and current and palpable in the black community. So for me, I'm like the fashion piece of it, I think is so important and and really drove so much of what happen in fashion outside of the show. So I'm like, it's important because of that. B, everyone wants love. Like to pretend like that's a frivolous thing when that's like why we're <laughs> why we're all here. And you can see how some people either are scared of love or want it so desperately or struggle to hang on to it. So I'm like there to me there's nothing universal than the pursuit of platonic and romantic friendships. So I always just am like, I just struggle with the fact that people consider that frivolous, you know, just doesn't make any sense. Time for a quick break because somebody's got to keep the lights on around here, but we'll be right back. This is the story of the one as head of maintenance at a concert hall. He knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. Definitely friendships and relationships 
everybody has them and everybody should be able to relate to, you know, having good friends and relying on them or not getting along with them and having romantic relationships that are fraught and successful and wonderful and terrible. But that fashion piece, it's like everybody wears clothes. I mean, it makes me, it's a little like devil wears Prada thing going on here. It's like, you know, you think you can just that you wear this color and you, you know whatever that it's like these decisions are being made by lots of people who you know know everything about the world of fashion and blah 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 so there's like i can understand an element of feeling like it's all commercial and it's all just people like you know on high making decisions about what everybody wears but you choose what your clothes are and it's not a reflection of your entire personality, but it gives people an idea of your taste. It gives people an idea of how you want to carry yourself in the world and all of that kind of stuff. But even the high fashion stuff that, you know, the stuff that Carrie wears constantly that is like, give me give me a fucking break. Nobody, <laughs> nobody just walking down the street has like, you know, a gigantic feather coming out of the middle of their forehead or whatever. <laughs> But it, it works for the character because it is like an expression of who she is and what she cares about. And all of that stuff, even Balenciaga ridiculousness, is art. Like that to me, the, yes. the runway stuff, you don't expect people to wear that stuff on the street. And it's just like this uh, incredible creative expression. So yes, let's defend the fashion element. <laughs> um, but also then what you were talking about, uh, about kind of the legacy of it and the complications posed by the uh later works um yeah <laughs> i mean have you watched uh and just like that all the way through oh yes i've here's the thing like for me sex in the city is canon so i will literally watch anything in the multiverse mm -hmm. um and i do not know what the hell is going on <laughs> i don't think they do <laughs> <laughs> it's just, you know, as a black person, I never watched Sex and City and was sort of like felt left out. Mm. Like I just didn't. And I'm not saying that that has to be a universal reaction, but I think this hyper correction that they're doing and just like that, where I feel like, well, you just gave each white person a person of color or a person from the queer community as their sort of like Sherpa to like mm -hmm. teach them things. I'm like, that is more patronizing. Like I rap, like I am like, Sh Charlotte would not have black friends. Like she just wouldn't. Mm -hmm. And that's fine. Like, I'm not like, what? I'm like, yeah, she's not going to have black friends. So it just feels very sort of like trying to like, correct something that's sort of to me i'm just like well we should just have more shows of people of color people from the queer community that are like this as opposed to sort of like wedging them into this narrative because what i think is the biggest flaw about and just like that is that carrie miranda and charlotte aren't as together mm. Like they're, it's, you know what I mean? Like they, like they'll each episode, I think they'll have like a dinner together, but it doesn't feel like they're truly like friends in each other's world and deeply like immersed in them. And so it just, it feels like such a disconnect to have them like not this trio 
oh, I'm so sad that Samantha's not in it. But for real, I think Kim was right mm-hmm. in that, that fight. Yeah. Um, but to have the trio separated and then bring in these other characters that like no one really cares about. Mm-hmm. It's sort of like you've lost the friendship element of the show, which to me was the foundational aspect of it. And something that like I returned to, like, I feel like I watched Sex and the City probably all the way through every other year. Mm. And I always like learn something different and like feel different things. And like when I first started watching it, I was very much, I was like, big is like garbage. It's like always aided. And now for me, it's like more complicated. And when I was younger, I didn't really care for the Russian that much. Now that I'm older, I'm like, no, the Russian was like actually kind of a good character until they made him terrible. So that big could come back into the scene. And so I just feel like we're losing all of those sort of like iconic moments because these are friends who care so much about each other and invest in each other's lives that now it just feels like, I don't know if Charlotte cares about Miranda and Chet. Like, it just feels like, why are there all these people here? Like that last dinner at Carrie's house, I was like, we have the chick who like designed that one dress shittily is invited to this dinner. Mm -hmm. Right. It made no sense. I was like, it should be the three girls. It should be the three girls. Right. (sighs) Sorry, Chimvit. No, I mean, I agree with all of that stuff. And it's like, to me, the way that those friendships have shifted so they don't, it's like they forgot that they know each other or something and they all need this new person who is, you know, their guide through this complicated new world where black people exist and, oh my God, (laughs) everyone's a they, them. Um, It's... (laughs) It's so heavy handed. It's like it, you feel like it kind of comes from a good place that they're trying to respond to criticism. But you can have new characters who are more representative of the population of New York as a whole without it being so clunky and heavy handed and just like it's, it, it is so cringeworthy. And um, it's also it's that. But it's also these characters like not being true to the sex and the city versions of who they were like yes miranda being like oh my god i I just get nervous around black people i don't know what to do i keep (laughs) messing up and then um you know uh carrie who like the show is called fucking sex in the city and it was based on her writing about her sex life and she's like i can't say vagina on a podcast (laughs) um it's it's just it's really bizarre and yeah you know i don't know there's lots of great people in the writer's room and i don't know if it's like michael michael patrick king overseeing all this stuff there are some turns of phrase as well that feel very much like a person who is not really in touch does not really have the finger on the pulse of yes. new york city anymore like Che's comedy concert. It's like that. Who, yeah. What? Who's? I, wh- where is that phrase? Nobody says that. <laughs> Nobody mm. says that, and it's just like even. I just, just even the way they dealt with the women aging in the in the first season, even like with Steve now has like a hearing aid. Carrie needs hip surgery. Like everyone's falling apart because they're 50. And I was like, I know so many people in their fifties who are like 
They're doing great. Mm-hmm. Like they're fine. They're active. They work out. They travel. They have fun. They have like, and so it just felt so like not that there needs to be. I feel like they took a lot of the the fantasy element out of the show and and trying to like ground it in reality, but it just felt like. I think it was an overcorrection. I think you could have some sort of like aging stuff for sure. Like, you know what I mean? Like I liked in the second movie when Samantha was going through menopause and had all her creams. Like I felt they dealt with that in a funny way. You know what I mean? But this just felt so like, where are the laughs? Like I really, you really feel the lack of Samantha and the laughs without her there. Um, But just overall, it just feels like, and it just made it seem like aging was such a, like, just not, like, exciting or, like, fun. And I remember, like, watching Golden Girls and being like, oh, being old will be, like, lit. You know what I mean? Like, it'll be, like, so fun. And you'll be, like, your girlfriends and, like, talking shit. And, like, it's just like that. The way they just are dealing with it, like, sure, there are complications with it, of course. But they just made it kind of sad a little bit in a way that I just am like, this is not a show that needs to fully abandon fantasy. You know what I mean? Like, I think we have like enough shows that are so deeply rooted in reality. And I think one of the magical parts of Sex and City was that there was this air of like, you know, magic dust over everything. Mm -hmm. And I feel like they got rid of that. Yeah. And I don't think that was the right choice. Yeah. And I, I feel like in the back half of the second season, there were little elements of that kind of drifting back in. I mean, Miranda calling Charlotte a cum slut. Like, I was like, here we go. <laughs> yeah. I was like, that was funny. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, and there's some stuff about the relationships, even with the new people that felt more real. Like, what is Carrie's... Uh, POC tour guide's name, um, the oh, Indian woman. The re- the, yeah, the real estate agent. I forget her name. Yeah, and, yeah, anyway, yeah. When they're like supposed to go to the Hamptons and then Carrie's like wanting to invite Aiden or whatever. And that whole thing where she's just like, look, I this is gross. I don't like this. And the kind of interaction between the two of them when she was saying like, this isn't a good idea anymore and I need to kind of be away from you. That felt a little bit more real to me. And there are moments in and just like that, that that feel a little bit better. But on the whole... Yeah, it doesn't feel great and it doesn't feel necessary. Yeah, yeah. And I think for me, going back to Sex and the City, like one of the things that I I did really like was when they would have their disagreements, like when Carrie walked in on Samantha going down the Worldwide Express guy or, you know, Miranda's you know, telling the girls at brunch that she's pregnant and that sets Charlotte off because Miranda's like, oh, I think I might just get an abortion. And so those like moments like are so real. And like you have those moments of disagreement with your friends where you're just like, I am not seeing eye to eye with you on this situation. And or like when Charlotte called Carrie out for um, her affair with Big and Carrie was like, oh, I'm worried about, you know, just the whole thing. And Charlotte's like, no, you're just worried about what's going to happen to you. Like, you don't care about Natasha. And I was like, that is such a good friendship moment. And like, 
that to me is just sort of like how they move through that. And like, they still all remain friends, even when they didn't agree with their friends' choices. I was like, that's so great, especially in a time where everything is so combative right now and everyone wants to be right. And there's a wrong person in an argument. And if you do like one wrong thing, then like, I'm getting rid of you. I'm like, this is a, sh- a show that celebrates sort of like, no, your friend's going to do shitty things. You're going to do shitty things. And guess what? You're still going to fucking be friends. You just got to work through it. Right. Right. And I love that. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, I the thing that always struck me, especially uh, in later seasons, is that Carrie's kind of a selfish asshole, like a lot of the yeah. time. <laughs> and she does things that are for her, like, you know, uh, she'll interrupt people when they're talking about some like really upsetting moment in their life and just be like, oh my God, I can't believe that I can't find my purse. (laughs) And, you know, those moments where it's just, and and people call her on her shit and then other people have problems too. And they have moments where there's like tension in their relationships because that's real. That's what friendship is. Yeah. I, I, uh, I guess to bring the, uh, concept of the show into sharper focus do you know how much of a pleasure this has been and this is exactly what this is exactly what the show always is just fucking rambling you know when it's at its best when there's a a subject that i'm like oh here we go and that's exactly exactly what this is so this is gold anyway uh just thinking about like your relationship with this show and it, the kind of the effect that it's had on you, do you think outside of it just being, you know, something that you really love and that you want to watch over and over again, do you feel the like its influence on you at all in, you know, I mean, in, in many ways, I'm sure, but you, you tell me. Absolutely. In so many ways, the fashion element, I, you know. And this is not to shade the Midwest, but, you know, when you're growing up in Ohio, it's like the fashion in like New York, L.A., Paris, Milan is different than in Cleveland. So I was, you know, not the coolest dresser, I will say. I used I used to uh, when I moved here, I had these pair of Steve Madden cowboy boots that I thought were just so fire. Mm-hmm. And and through the show, I like sort of like learned how to self-expression through fashion. I fell in love with fashion and I love fashion so much now. And I really do use it to show off like my personality. Like one day I'm feeling like a little more butch. One day I want to be sexy. That kind of like sort of like surface level stuff. And then I sort of think for me, because I am such a romantic and I am such a person who like believes in love and sort of just the magic that can happen in life. I think that's definitely sort of made me kind of think about what I will and won't accept in a relationship. And, you know, certainly when I was younger, I think there was a little bit of like, you kind of shape yourself a little bit to the person you're dating because you're like, well, that's, you know, what I should do as a woman. Right. And then, you know, watch a show like Sex and City and Samantha was so intrinsically herself. And so like Smith, you either take it or you fucking leave it. Mm -hmm. And like, that's how it's going to be. And I think I've now gotten to that place where I'm very much like, this is who I am. Yes. I'm going to work on myself, obviously, but I'm not going to like sort of, be shy or demure because that's going to make the guy feel like 
he is like the top dog. You know what I mean? And so I think from watching the show and seeing these four women, like even with Carrie, when she's so, she could be so selfish, but she can also just be so just herself and kind of quirky and like, you know, she's like, I'm going to be the girl with the curly hair and I'm going to do kind of like the random things and I'm going to have the writing job and I'm going to just maybe not be like super financially responsible, like all these things that might look like flaws to other people. It's just sort of like, well, that's kind of what I am. And like, I'm a flawed person. And so I think sort of just embracing that spirit of being flawed, being sex positive, being someone like Miranda, like I identify with her in so many ways in terms of like the responsibility aspect of it, the sort of like, you know, all or nothing kind of rigidity sometimes that I have that I'm trying to undo, which I very much get from my dad. My dad is very much a black or black or white person. There is no gray for him. And I sort of inherited that. And so now I'm just like, no, there, there are shades of gray. Like you have to just sort of uh, accept that. And so I think all these women just sort of, they really leaned into like great parts of themselves and not so great parts of themselves. And I think I've really learned to do the same as well. And like, I'm lovable regardless of that. And I think that's fully, a lot of that comes from sex in the city for sure. For sure. Yeah. That it, it is interesting actually thinking, I don't know, this, seem, this seems like a kind of basic thing because all of these women are kind of representations of different kinds of women. But in some ways it's like, inside out or something where it's like they're the different emotions and they're all part of who you are and they you know don't just represent different kinds of people but they represent different facets that each person has um which is i think another one of the shortcomings i don't want to keep coming back to how fucking <laughs> trash uh, and just like that is but you know to to me samantha was the hot sauce she's the one who like gives flavor to you know she's cuts through the bullshit and is just like super outspoken just you know really she had her, her insecurities too but just like kind of fully in herself and when i was looking back through uh old episodes and stuff the episode where she meets brady for the first time and he's crying and she talks about him later and she's like that baby is an asshole <laughs> <It's> like, it's so good and it's just so I think you know another thing that I really have taken away from the show and I think this is more sort of career side um than anything else it's just sort of it's so funny and has equally as much heart mm. and I feel like you know that's probably in stark juxtaposition to like Seinfeld which was like no feelings no growth mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Like it was just about the scenarios and these people, but we didn't want anyone learning anything. We didn't want anyone growing or changing. And like, they both are phenomenal, but I just, I think because I'm a person where my comedy, there's a lot of heart in it as well as trying to be super funny. I just really, that really resonates with me. And I just, I just think that sort of level of being able to touch someone while also being funny and being vulnerable, I think is just so powerful and necessary. And I think as a society, technology is making us sort of lose a little bit of our vulnerability. Like, I feel like we're all like a little, a little tougher, 
little a little more lonely because we're just sort of like interacting with their phones or screens and we're not like, hey, let me just call my friend and we'll we'll talk for 20 minutes. It's just I'll just fire off a text while I'm watching Love is Blind and it's kind of boring for a second. <laughs> you know what I mean? Uh-huh. As opposed to just being fully focused. And I had to learn this because like I love I love my parents and like whenever we chat on the phone, they will like want to talk for like an hour or 90 minutes. And for the longest time, I was like, why does this phone call need to be so long? (laughs) I was like, why do we need 90 minutes? And I'm just like, they're connecting. Mm -hmm. And like, we're so used to just firing off an email and just sort of dipping in and out of conversations that it's just like the thought of like having to talk to these people who like brought me into this world for longer than like 30 minutes. I was like, oh my God, the torture. And then I had to be like, oh, I'm losing that ability to be able to have like a sustained conversation with people. Mm-hmm. And so I think one of the things that I really love about Sex and the City is that it, it, everything, I think the dialogue drives like 80% of that show, whether it's just the pops of like the jokes or like the serious moments. It's all about like what people are saying or the subtext of what they're not saying. And so like just remembering to have that level of like connection and not just with like your besties, but with everyone in your life, just having that level of like patience, presence, connection, I think is so important. I think that's totally like sex in the city. I I could not <laughs> have said it better myself. I think that is the perfect the perfect way to uh to finish. Um so much fun. So much fun. Thank you for allowing me to have the opportunity to talk about this. Um Of course, I could talk about this for like 3 hours straight. No problem. <laughs> Um, but really, an, an utter, utter delight. Thank you. Oh, thank, thank you. you. Thank you so much for having me on. It's so great. Bye. That was incredible. Thank you so, so, so much to Phoebe. Truly one of my favorite Spark Parade chats. You can and should catch her on her Messy AF tour right now. And you can get tickets at phoeberobinson.com. Okay, quick spark of the week from me. Finally, finally, after literal years of waiting, I got to see Patty Harrison perform last weekend. She is one of my favorite comedians. She is utterly deranged, and I had so much fun. Her new show is called Patty Harrison, My Huge Tits Huge Because They Are Infected, Not Fake. So that should give you some idea of what you're getting into if you decide to go and see it. And you should because she's amazing. And that's about it. Please follow me on social media at Spark Parade. And then remember to review the show and subscribe on Apple Podcasts. Send your screenshots to the link in the show notes so you can be in with a chance of winning that sweet, sweet consequence merch. And until next time, bye.
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue. All in the Kroger app. Get three pound rolls of juicy 80% lean ground beef for $3.49 a pound with a digital coupon. Then get select varieties of flavorful Powerade, Body Armor Super Drink, or Arizona Tea for 77 cents each, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.